Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Blessed greetings and love, Matt Professor. Welcome to Bob Radio. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine, Carlos. Awesome. Nice to be speaking with you. It's great to be speaking with you. You know, I'm a huge fan of yours, been a huge fan of yours for a long time, and then we got to become friends through Roberto Langotti and Pato and all that stuff, and... I've been following your career for years and years, and you're like one of the most prolific producers out there. And then and not only are you produce a lot of great music, but you're also like a performance DJ. You go to all these festivals all over the world and everything, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's great to be active, you know? Yes. Where, where is Roberto? Oh, Roberto? R- R- Roberto is doing great. He's up in uh, Orange County doing his thing. Uh, he's working closely with the UB40 guys. They're doing a, uh, 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 a compilation album with a bunch of Southern California bands on some, on some UB40 rhythms. That's, that's in the works. So that's okay. what he's, that's what he's, well, that's, give them my regards. I definitely will. I definitely will. I definitely will. So m- some people may think that Matt Professor is ha- is a, has Jamaican heritage, but in, in reality, you're from Guyana. You are born in Guyana, yeah? Yeah, I was born in Guyana, uh, but of the same African roots like many Jamaicans and many Trinidadians uh-huh. and many other Caribbean people. Mm-hmm. You know, we all were taken from Africa. Right. And some ended up here and some ended up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so you were had a, a strong interest in electronics from 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 when you were a kid, yeah. Yeah, man. I um, I was curious, <laughs> curious how everything worked. Right. Um, because some things don't make sense. Right. Some things didn't make sense, right. so I thought, let me open up things and see. See what's behind them, you know? Right, right, right. Radios, I opened up everything. Everything, huh? Telephones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just opened up things and gradually get them, get, get into what made them tick, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you turned your love of electronics and... Uh, Tinkering around with with stuff, and then how did how did that music get involved with the electronics? How did you how did you how did those two worlds come together? 
Well, you know, um, I would be there <laughs> building things, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd build my own radio, build my own um, telephone. Okay. Build my own, yeah. Yeah. And stuff. And then what I noticed after a while is that, um, so, well, I'd like to build a studio. I'd like to, to make some records. Okay. So then I built my... I built a studio. Well, no, first of all, I built a mixing desk. You built a mixing deck yeah. first? Desk, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I built a mixing desk. All right. The mixing desk um, worked okay. And then I thought, well, let me see what artists I had around. Okay. I got some artists around. Let me record them. And I just bought this house in South London. Okay. And I convert the front room uh -huh. into a kind of studio. All right. Beautiful. Right? So I, the front room, okay. I did a live thing, you know? All right. Uh, so, and then I bought a, mm -hmm. bought a drum kit for the live room. Okay. Piano and drum kit. Wow. And I started to work. All right. That's it. Right. You just had an interest. You, you built your own deck, and then so you're like, I want to record music. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I didn't know. No, I knew one. I knew one. One musician. <laughs> okay. I knew just one new one musician. Oh, Dave. Okay. He was a player. He was a friend of mine. Because Dennis was like. Um, so yeah, you knew one yeah, musician. Yeah. And or Dennis or something? Yeah, I need one musician, Dave, Dave Morgan. Okay. And and I knew Dennis. He was married to my wife's best friend's sister. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you could figure that one out. All right. All right. All right. I got it. So, um, when when they all knew I was curious, uh, I went by Dennis a couple of times and saw him. They're editing stuff, and then I went to some locals, had an idea how they were doing what they were doing. Okay. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. <laughs> so when I, when I was up and running and ready to start, I started properly. Okay. Running, running tape and calling in local musicians. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, um, every Sunday I would get guys together and I would put down tracks, you know? Wow. Yeah. Very cool, very cool, very cool. So how long did you keep your studio in your house? How long did you, did, did, how, how many songs did you in your house? house? Run from like 79, 80 until 82. Okay. 82, it started to get so busy. We had all kinds of guys coming. We had like the Ruts DC coming. <laughs> we had like this one Decker. Oh wow. We had um had Laurel Atkin. Wow, killer. Had uh, um Johnny Clark, Mikey Dredd. Wicked, wicked, had, wicked, um, wicked. Dennis Brown. Loads of people are coming through, man. That's a that's wow. That's that's so those are big names. Those are huge names in, in reggae. All those guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, it didn't take me long. 
<laughs> Within the first year, we had some some major names coming through the studio. Very cool. And it, like I said, it was just a little front room studio. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, man. So then it got too busy for the neighbors. Okay. And the guy next door, he started to complain because music was going on late and it was... It's a semi-detached house, and it was interrupting him. He needed to go to work. Uh-huh. So he complained. So I had to find a place. So, so yeah. you had your little, you had your, you, you had your, you had your, like, four, eight-track studio home in, from the late 70s yeah. till, till 82, and you got a bigger studio because yeah. you had, things were, things were looking great. You were doing great. You were getting a lot of attention. All the big artists were coming to you and stuff, and, um... That's what's going on, yeah? Well, the studio, they were more coming to the studio. It wasn't so much coming to me as a producer. Okay. You know, it was more because in those days, people would come from Jamaica with tapes to edit the tapes. Uh, uh, I hear and, what you're um, saying. My studio was like a small black studio, small Caribbean studio. Uh-huh. Uh, geared up for handling these guys, you know, <laughs> they could come by me and smoke. Yeah. Because let's face it, most most traditional, normal white studios yeah. would not would not want to. And all the guns are smoking, these. right? All the guns are smoking in yeah, the yeah, yeah, and the whole West Indian. <laughs> Uh, uh, chill vibe, you know, the chill vibe. They're more into like the corporate yeah, counting beans and brass tacks. Yeah, and stuff like with that. them, mm-hmm. with them. When when they say uh, session start at seven o'clock, don't don't turn up there at like eight thirty or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Whereas, whereas in my place was a little bit more. Unorthodox. Right, right, right. A little more free flowing, organic. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's right on. Right on. Okay, so you so you had like a studio that you were like renting out, and people were um, uh, doing all productions and stuff and everything there, right? Because I I left my daytime job. Okay. You know, I had a regular job working on um, electronics sub assembly. Okay. For like, um, who was it? For Rediffusion or one of those companies. Okay. So I, so I left that um, one day. I mean, I don't think they were that happy with me. <laughs> In any case, <laughs> you know, I hear you. Mind, your mind wasn't really on the job. Mm-hmm. So my mind, my mind wasn't on the job. Right. So, you know, they kept finding faults with my work, and um, and then one Monday morning, mm-hmm. I went in. The guy started to pick on my job, pick on my work, and I, 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 I just tell him, listen, nothing can go on. Yeah, so I then left, and I went back home, and that same. Day I got home, I had a call from a couple of people. One of them was Jashaka, okay, and another one of them was Mo Ambassador. Wow! 
the same two people that you mentioned earlier. Wow, that is so crazy. Yeah. Prof and I, earlier, Prof and I were talking about Dub in general, and Josh Saka and Mo Ambassador came up. So those two guys called you, you quit your job. Next thing you know, Josh Saka and Mo Ambassador call you, and, and, what, and, and they want to do start working with you, or what, what's going on? Yeah, well, Mo Ambassador, they had some um, King Tubby tips. Okay. They had um, a lot of Tubby's tips. They used to get tips from Tubby's. Okay. They wanted those tips to be mixed and remixed again. Okay. And to edit, edit, edit that stuff into albums. I which, got you. Which I would then put together. Wicked. Those guys were getting tapes from King Tubby, and then you would take those into your studio, edit them, edit them down, get them, get them home ready for consumers. Yeah. Hi. You can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. 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 Sorry. Sorry. What were you saying? Then? I was saying that those guys, Josh Shock, were getting tapes from King Tubby, and um, Mo and Bass were getting tapes from um, them, and then they would bring them to you, and then you would like edit them down so they'd be ready like for albums and stuff for. Like purchase? Yeah, Basa, Basa, Basa was getting tapes from Tubby's. Shaka, he he wanted to do his own production. He had some stuff from um from some he had some stuff from a guy named Junior Brown. Okay. He had some stuff from some other people. Um, Sister Asha, I think. Yeah, and. He just wanted that stuff mixed because I had the right tape machines for that kind of stuff, you know? Very cool, very cool. I couldn't handle that. You could handle the two inch tapes? No, it wasn't. Um, uh, oh, oh, yeah, his stuff was a lot of one inch. Okay. It's one inch eight. Yeah, yeah, he was on one inch eight. And then. Um, Mombasa, they were mainly quarter-inch four-track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Man. Wow, wow, wow. Come a long way now. You have like 64 digital tracks on those ones. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, it's the record business is now as diverse as you could imagine. Yeah. So, so, so many different things. Those were the early days. So you were you were producing you were producing with Josh Aka and Mo Ambassa. So when did you start doing well, your own? Editing. I was just the engineer. I wasn't You're really producing. Okay, you were engineering. You were engineering for them. Yeah. You were engineering for them. Yeah. So when did when did when did you transform from being an engineer to producing your own like your dub crazy dub well, crazy stuff? Well, during that time, I was kind of producing, but yeah, you could hear me. Yeah. Yeah. During that time. I was producing a few mainly unknown artists. Okay. Really. Um, I had a guy named Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. I had a girl named Davina Stone. You know, mm -hmm. they were really new, new artists. They were they were also local artists. Okay. They weren't they weren't from Jamaica. Most of them were born in England, you know. Um, so, those were my production. And the guys coming in the studio, they would come in with like some 
Jamaican artists, they would come in with like Johnny Clark, mm-hmm. coming with, like I said, Mikey Dread was coming a lot. Mm-hmm. Culture? No, 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 okay. no, didn't see. Peter Culture, I'm sorry, Peter Culture. Oh, Peter Culture. Peter Culture came later down. He oh. came down in um, 84, okay. when, when I was in Peckham. Okay. Yeah, he was born in Peckham. All right. Mm. So you're mixing, mixing, mixing up with local artists and Jamaican artists. Yeah, man. Yeah, all, all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Wicked, wicked, wicked. So and then, so you teamed up with with Scratch at some point in the early eighties. Yeah. And then you guys. Scratch. Scratch came along after I moved to Peckham. Okay. Um, but. Um, Peckham was a kind of rough and ready area, you know. Peckham was like, it was like your Compton. Okay. Compton in LA. Okay. Where, you know, very street, very ghetto, you know. Right, right, right. Tough part of town. um, Yeah. Scratch first came along, I think, around, um, yeah, Scratch came along. Around '83, when I was more more or less established in Peckham. Okay. And um, he just left Jamaica. I think he went to America briefly, did something in New York. And his then management team were looking for somewhere that he could um, that he could feel at home. Okay. And my mixing desk was similar to his. Right on. And he and he came in and he started to voice. He didn't want to mix so much. He didn't want to do so much engineering. He was quite happy singing. Okay. And, and, and being a vocalist. All right. Yeah. Right on. So, yeah, man. So that was the you guys. You guys did an album, Mystic Warrior. <laughs> well, funny enough, uh, what he came in to do was really finish an album that he started in Bahamas and in Jamaica. Okay. An album which came out as History, Mystery, Prophecy. Wow. Um, he didn't come in to do Mystic Warriors. We done Mystic Warriors. Uh, after he felt at home with the studio, he would just come in and put on some things and, and yeah, experiment. <laughs> Experimental dub, for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, left me with some vocals, yeah. Wicked, 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 wicked. And then, so, it's, then you started doing all kinds of stuff. You had um, Dub Me Crazy. And then you had Black Liberation. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That actually started from my move to Peckham. The, the, the part one started. Okay. And then the part two came along down Peckham as well. All right. Um, and yeah, uh, the, the boat began to sell okay. Okay. And I did, I did an album with Shaka first, Shaka called Commandments, a dub. 
Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, man. Those were awesome. Yeah, those were heavy, heavyweight albums. Yeah, man. Those were some heavyweight albums, definitely. Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So you just kept recording, kept on making uh, dub yeah, albums? That was my full-time job. That was my full-time job. So I just recorded anybody and everybody. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Super Ape, Black Ark Experiments, Voodoo, Lee Perry meets Matt Professor. Came, most of that came um, when I moved, moved out from Peckham. I moved from Peckham in 86. Okay. And I moved back to Croydon. All right. To the, to the present premises. Okay, so you, White Horse Lane, yeah. So you've been at your current studio for 25 years now, something like that. More than that. More than that. More than that. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 35 years. Thirty-five years. I missed it by <laughs> time. Wow. Yeah, thirty-five years I've been there, man. Amazing, amazing. So you've been doing dub music. You've been doing reggae music 45 years, 50 years. No, about 40. Two years. Forty-two years. years. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Still a long time. Still a long time. <laughs> Still like a veteran. We've seen all kinds of styles come and go, man. Definitely seen all different kinds of styles come and go. Um, yeah. You did records with Pato Bantan, Tipa Lee, Tipa yeah, Irene. Yeah, I did, I did Pato's first album. My professor captures Pato Bantan. Every track and that was a hit. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Guan, Enough Kind of Dread, My Opinion. Yeah. They're all stunning, stunning tracks. Awesome. Full of vibes, man. Full of vibes. Full of vibes. I loved, um, I did talk to Tip and uh, Rebel on the Roots Corner. That was the collaboration you guys did. Yeah, man. Nice album. Nice album. Wicked album. Wicked, wicked album. And you've worked with everybody in the business and... Um, now work with a lot of people. You work with a lot of people, and so we know about all your recordings with everybody and stuff. And then, at one point, you started playing out live dub shows. So, how did you get into yeah. that? Well, what used to happen is that people would come to the studio to do a session. Remember, I said I was doing a lot of rock bands and mm -hmm. all kind of punk bands. They would come. And whether it's rock, reggae, or soul, I would do a mix and give them a dub, right? Right. And usually the guys would like when I do a dub of their stuff, right? Right. So um, so I was always mixing and doing remixing for various pop people. Um, whether it's like uh, or Massive Attack, you know, mm -hmm. Ruts, you know. And then... Um, in the 90s, a New Zealander who had a club in, um, he had a club in Brixton, which isn't far from us. Okay. And he said to me, if I could come and DJ at his club. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I can't DJ. I said, why don't you get a DJ? He said, no, you want me to do it. So I said, nah, nah, forget it. I don't DJ. Right. So then he called me back and he said, listen, man, I was thinking, anybody could DJ, come and DJ and I'll pay you some money. Blah. 
So I said, no, listen. <laughs> I said, I don't DJ, but if you could get a mixed in there, then I could bring a small tape machine and mix live. Uh-huh. You could cook on the poster, Mark Professor, and a mixed live. So that's what he does. Okay. And the first night, we had like 150 people. Mm-hmm. People enjoyed it. The same night, he said, could you come and do the same thing next month? Okay. So the next month, I came back, and he put Mark Professor makes his life, mm-hmm. makes it. We had twice as much people. Right. <laughs> yes, please. And that same night, a guy in the crowd asked me if I could come to France and do the same thing in France. Okay. I had twice twice the amount of money, and in France, they pay me five times as much. Wow. And next thing I know, it's, it's catching on. And then what helped it is the massive attack. Had, we, we had this album out, No Protection. Okay. And they asked if I could come and do a chill-out room at all their gigs. Okay. So I went to all of the Matilda gigs, and we'd have a chill-out room where I would play dub and I would mix dub. And um, next thing I know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the next horizon. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. I've seen your love. I've seen your live mixed dub shows. Super amazing. Super super cool stuff. Sometimes you bring Aisha with you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes Aisha comes. Yeah, she's been there a few times. You know. Yeah, she's yeah. she's great. She's great. And you know, I just I just I love that style of music. And I think I mean you've been doing it for a long time, but it's really gaining a lot of popularity right now. I mean. Um, you mean on the West Coast? Um, uh, in, in, in Europe. Well, I mean, like the Rototom yeah. Double Academy, for example. Um, amazing stuff. And then I've just, yeah. I've just been yeah. hearing so much about UK sound systems and dub sound systems and like Iration Steppa and I mean, yeah. like stuff well, like Josh Shaka and Abhishanti Eye and like those yeah, guys. Well, all the European guys now want to do that stuff. You know, they all they they all want to copy that style, you know. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, they could copy what they see physically, but what they can't copy a lot of time is the spirit. They can't they can't copy the spirit. Right. And, and the spirit sometimes is essential. You know. Right. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Definitely yeah, essential. Yeah. Definitely essential. I just I, I it's um. It's so great to see how the the the, the, um, the dub has gone just from. Well, it's spread all over the world, even in Australia. Yeah, yeah, all over the world. It's it's it's, it's big yeah. stuff. Sound system is is getting bigger, and I think it's going to get bigger and bigger. I think it's going to be one of the next newer trends. And um, yeah. when we were talking earlier, we were talking about the different generations of dub. Right, the different generations. Yeah. The first generation of dub would would say like King Tuffy. Right, would be considered first generation yes. and, yeah. then, and now we're like on the fourth generation of dub something like that right uh, well yeah you could say that because if you say Tubby is the first then the second would be like me and right. like Shaka and stuff right 
the third is probably, I guess, people like Irish and um, Avashanti. Right. I don't know who the fourth is going to be. <laughs> well, I guess we're still in the third wave. <coughs> yeah, yeah, and kind of love. <laughs> um, well, we got yeah, this, the like, uh, is probably we got, like, this the kids, because we got the young kids, like, um, like, Joe Ariwa and mm -hmm. Shanti Sila, they're, like, in the 20s and 30s, so, yeah, they're, like, they're, like, another generation. And I've, I've heard, uh, Vibronix, he, he's, uh, yeah. really cool stuff, Iron Dubs. Uh, okay. Iron Dubs, I don't know who Iron Dubs is. He's, he's killing really, really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, are they from England? Uh, Iron Dubs, he's look, he, he sounds English. He might be, he might be Italian, though. I'm, I gotta check him out. And then, uh, yeah, Charlotte 58, and... All kinds of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, most of those guys are from France or um, Spain. Okay. But the problem with that kind of stuff, it doesn't dent in England. I don't know if it's a UK snobbery <laughs> or if it's a language thing. Uh huh. But you know, we we normally don't get to hear about that. You know. Okay. Okay. It's, pro it's probably more to do with language. Okay. Yeah, there's uh, so many. Great dub acts. I mean, um, Prince David, The Roots Keepers, Lion Heights. He might be Italian. Okay, okay. Negative, OBF. Negative? Negative. Negative. Never heard of it. Wicked. He's got a song called um, More Time. Ridiculous. Really. Dubmatics. Dubmatics helped him out with that. Um, I think that might be Canada. That might be Canadian. Amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. So you've been busy recently. You just did a, a dub album with Kanita, and you just did a 420 album. Yeah. It just you just keep on producing and producing and producing. It's it's so yeah. it's, it's and I just got another one of a whole bunch of classic rhythms. I mean. How do you find time to do all this work? I mean, you were putting yours well, even even before this like slowdown. You were constantly putting music out. Yeah, now it's slowed down. Now there's a slowdown, and we've stepped up. <laughs> yes, you have. You have. You put, put out a yeah. lot of music in the last couple of years. Well, you have to remember, you know, the label's been going for over forty years, so it's a lot of stuff, really. Mm-hmm. That, that could come and a lot of stuff has been recorded over the years you know yeah 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 um, but yeah there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff and now we were saying earlier that the, the this new wave of dub is copying the mid 70s style that we were talking about um, yeah man the, like yeah, the militant and the uh, like heavy King Tubby style dub and um Effects and stuff. So, yeah, it's doing. Is they're doing great stuff. Yeah, well, that's when um, this thing was like incubated. That's when it came about, you know. Mm -hmm. Like the Tubbies and Errol Thompson was another engineer, mm -hmm. and um, they really made a lot of good stuff at that time but it soon went out of fashion in Jamaica you know right 
didn't it didn't last too long in Jamaica. But that that little that little gap of time is like so many crucial, heavy duty, r- real roots Rastafari stuff that was just so so smoke and so so great, and they all had like dub versions and extended versions and disco mixes and stuff. I, I just loved it. Yes, 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 absolutely. Super amazing stuff. So, like a, a dub, dub fanatic, and so you're just going to keep on putting out more, more dubs. Keep on going back in the vaults, putting out more music and more compilations. Well, we got a lot of stuff, and when you have a label, the idea with a label is to just keep keep the fans happy, you know. And like I said. There's a lot of stuff on tape, a lot of stuff that never had a chance of coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have to find things to put them out on, you know? Right, like right. A 420 album, good album. Great album, a bunch of awesome tunes on there. Redhead yeah. Key and Maccabee and uh, Peter Huntingale and a whole bunch of artists on that. Yeah, yeah, there's a load, a load of stuff, you know? Very cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, on on tape is about um, I don't know how much stuff on tape. But <laughs> if I've if mm-hmm. I've released like three hundred albums already, mm-hmm. there is say another um, six hundred albums to come. Crazy, crazy. That's amazing amount of music. So fun. So fun. Well, we look forward to um, your next set of releases, and uh, we're always going to be supporting Matt Professor, and we always look forward to seeing you here in Southern California, and I can't wait to hear DJ another live dub set, because I just just loved it. The big sound system, heavy dubs and echoes, and conscious lyrics, and uh, it's just my vibe. That's my vibe right now. Yeah, man. Well, you know, America is not an easy place to tour, especially now in the current circumstances. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. For sure. We'll have to for see. Sure. Yeah, sure, it's not sure. easy. Not easy. Definitely not. <laughs> well, it's great to connect with you here on this interview and um, talk to you about all these things and um, shed light on your career and tell us about dub music. Yes, Carlos, it's a pleasure, and I'm going to keep sending you some new stuff. Cool. That we've got. Cool. Some, cool. Sometimes it's going to be heavy, sometimes it's going to be smooth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you're, you have your own definitely distinct style. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, even like a lot of these guys, the newer stuff has a lot of the same type of feel, but yeah. I know a Matt Professor track as soon as I hear a Matt Professor track. Right. Like uh, like it could that, be a smooth, it could be heavy. Yeah, yeah. like uh, that job vengeance by Aisha. Just love that one to death. Oh. Job vengeance, yeah, man. Bad bad tune. Uh, bad bad tune. The first lady of dub, right? <laughs> first lady of dub, yeah, that's it. Yeah, man. First lady of dub. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. Again, beautiful talking to you. We're going to keep on supporting yeah. you, and um, we will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get this interview up, and we'll post it up, and you guys can check it out. Yeah, right. post it up, man. Be nice to hear it on the yeah, big wide web. All right. All right. Well, thank you okay. so much. Okay. 
See you later. Bless Take up. Care. Bless up. Bye bye. Awesome. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so bye. much, Prof. That was great. Take care.